Welcome to the Young, Wild, Financially Free podcast, an audio experience where we don't just talk about it, we live it. Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to the Young, Wild, Financially Free podcast. I am your host, Andrew Roberts, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Matthew Tyfke. What is happening? And today, you're going to listen to a juicy, delicious, scrumptious snack of an episode. (laughs) And it is with our good friend, Mr. Duke Dennis, none other than Double D. The Duke. Dennis the Menace. Um, And Matt, you have been friends with Duke for quite some time now, right? Yeah, man. How'd you guys meet? So when I was looking to go to the real estate program at Texas A&M, uh-huh. I emailed every student that was currently going there. Okay. Duke's the only one that emailed me back. Really? Yeah. So Duke gets a lot of credit in my book. He emailed me back like six months before I was in the program, uh-huh. and then he was helping me all throughout. My day one, Duke was helping me. Did you guys get started in that program at the same time? No, or? he was uh, two semesters older. So okay. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, so, I mean, it was amazing to have that connection. Like, he hooked me up. Right. Told me, like, what to look out for. He helped me with actual homework and projects. And That's awesome. I'm yeah. not surprised. That dude. He's, he's the man. Yeah, he's got a good heart. He's, a, he's an awesome guy. And shame on all those other people for ignoring <laughs> you. Um, and so now you were both in the same program. You obviously went the path of, you know, by starting Tree Homes, um, our wonderful company. Mm-hmm. What path did Do take? So he started as an appraisal appraiser. Okay. He was actually working for the guy that his name was Dr. Jackson, who taught the appraisal course. At Dr. A&M. J. Dr. Jackson. <laughs> Dr. J. And dude, this guy did really cool, unique appraisals. Like he would appraise an entire subdivision of a thousand houses whenever there was an oil spill in Ooh. the area. Oh boy. So he would have to say how did this oil oil spill affect all these houses? So he was like on these like special projects all over the world. Uh-huh. And he's one of a kind. There's not a lot of people that do that. There's like like three or four groups that even know what that is. Yeah. And Duke worked for him. And then Duke got into Capital Raise. He moved to Colorado for a little bit where he said he loved it. And then I think now he's in Dallas. Right. And he's a Capital Raise master. So He's my go-to guy. Whenever I get these bigger projects start starting to work, uh, you kind of tell him what you're looking for, and he'll take a percentage of the money that he he gets you. Uh-huh. But he'll go and search every option available, and mm-hmm. it can be hard money, private money, family money, conventional loans, anything. Right. So he's like super flexible and super plugged in, and um, is able to like do a lot of different creative financing that most people don't even know about. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I could definitely tell. I mean, he's young and hungry and creative, and um, you know, he applies that all to his work. You know, in the real estate industry as a you know professional, yeah. and he's sharp. Yeah, and, and he has perfect hair. <laughs> I was about to say that, dude. That Can't dude, touch the guy's hair. He's perfect, stunning. You know, it looks immaculate. <laughs> but uh, also, you know, we got to learn a little bit about his story. You know, we learned a lot about his professional career and how he can help real estate investors and you know professionals in general. But learning about his personal story was really cool, and um, we got to learn a little surprise about um, his more creative, artistic side, yeah, which you guys yeah. will learn about in the podcast. Yeah, surprise to me too. Yeah, um, but. Uh, glad to have him on. Uh, we'll put all of his information in the show notes below. Um, if you guys are interested in uh, any of the work that he does, he 
will be happy to help you out. Uh, give him a call or an email anytime. He's one of the best, man. He's really good. He mm-hmm. drove down to Austin to come make a, a pitch for one small deal, that apartment deal that right. that we were looking at with Tallbridge. Yeah. And he drove down here just to talk to us for coffee. And I'm like, man, yeah, that's amazing. Like, dude, I, I couldn't say you know, more about him. He's, he's like one of my favorite people in the real estate industry. Yeah. Such a good dude. So well, I know you guys are going to enjoy this podcast. Um, please, uh, subscribe to our channel. If you haven't already, give us some feedback and without further ado, here's our good friend, Mr. Duke Dennis. Peace. Hey everybody. Welcome to the young, wild, financially free podcast. I'm here with my co-host Andrew Roberts. Hey everybody. And we got a, a pretty cool guest in today. Um, it's my buddy Duke Dennis, and we actually met in College Station while we were going to the uh, real estate program. So I'm excited to have Duke on. And you can't see this, but Duke is a man of perfect hair. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's like, would you agree? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should we should put a picture up of me at like the age of three. I got my hair slicked back just like this. It'll be great. Um, so yeah, Duke and I have uh, known each other through school and then, uh, it's pretty cool. We've seen each other in Las Vegas probably the last two or three years for the retail ICSE convention. But, uh, Duke, thanks for coming on, man. We're excited to, to talk about, uh, your journey and would love to, to dive into some real estate. Sure. Sure. I appreciate that. So, um, I guess, like you said, quick background, uh, born and raised in Texas, born in San Antonio, moved to Franklin, Texas, small town of about 1500. When I was 11, lived there as I went to A&M for undergrad and grad school, finished up at the real estate program there, moved up to Dallas for about five years where started out in appraisal with Butler Burger Group. They're a large multifamily appraisal group. And then quickly realized that appraisal is just a little bit different speed. You're kind of sectioned off in your cube, it seems like a lot of times. And I had more of a broker in me or broker mindset didn't realize that till a little bit later but then quickly transitioned to capital brokerage essentially raising debt and equity on the commercial side for buyers developers investors and commercial real estate and metropolitan capital advisors brought me on went through kind of their analyst program for about three three and a half years and now i've been a broker for about two and it's been fun it's been interesting i guess the last year i spent in denver out of our denver office trying to help grow that but recently realized that i want to be closer to home so just transitioned back to dallas all right. So what did you get your undergrad in at a uh, Undergrad was in finance. Uh, graduated in three and a half years, but my brother wow. my brother outdid me. He, oh. he got biochem and genetics and graduated in three and a half. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. It's always a competition. Um, so did you always know you wanted to work in real estate with getting that degree? Uh, no. So kind of a... kind of funny to me looking back at it back when I was in high school my dad had his own kind of suggested summer reading and the first book was uh, McDonald's Behind the Arches by John F. Love and it basically kind of detailed the history of Ray Kroc starting McDonald's Um, but towards the latter half of the book you realize it's a real estate company Mm -hmm. Um, and then my dad also had me read uh, I think it was like one of those millionaire real estate agent books like the big like it's like an inch thick and it's got that highlighter blue on the cover uh, so those two, and then also Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which I think a, a bunch of people know. But as I was getting my degree, I would come home because I lived at home with my folks and talk about the stock markets and watch Jim Cramer on CNBC. 
And me and my dad sometimes just couldn't make sense of how a stock could like beat earnings, but because they didn't beat the analyst earnings projections that the stock price would go down. And that didn't make a whole lot of sense to us. You know, you do well, but stock price could still go down. You know, it's more about psychology, really, in the market. Yeah. Uh, so after reading those books and talking to my dad a bunch, he kind of started pushing me to real estate as he was actually looking at real estate investments himself. Oh, cool. That's awesome. Um, and so uh, after you graduate, what's the first move that you make? Where do you go to start your career in real estate? Yeah, so um, when I was going through the grad program, part of the program is that they required an internship. And I interned with Butler Burger Group off of a, a LinkedIn message. I contacted somebody who went through the program who happened to be working there at the time. She passed that message off to a guy named uh, Brandon Davis, now works over at CBRE in their valuation department. But he was looking for an analyst. We got connected, stayed on working for them past my internship, and then once I graduated, moved up to Dallas to, to work for them and also be closer to my brother who was living there at the time. It was a lot of apartments that I was, I was doing, you know, market studies and, and valuations and calling apartments, calling brokers to get opinions of values, doing rental rate studies, things like that. So um, I, it was a great foundation, but at a certain point, again, I, I realized you're maybe not going to make the most money, you know, popping out, you know, three to $5,000 appraisals. Sure. Uh, but... Yeah, yeah, it was, but, it was a good you start. Know, I, I actually did a little bit of appraisals in College Station. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, for Paramount. Uh, but I think may, maybe you had the same mindset, maybe not. It's like learning how to appraise something and learning the value, that's that's huge, right? Mm -hmm. And so maybe it wasn't a whole bunch of money while you were doing it, but when you start buying apartment complexes, that's when that value really starts to kick in. Mm -hmm. you know. And something else, I mean, just understanding also – if you're gonna buy an apartment complex, you're likely gonna get a loan. Uh, that loan could come from an FDIC insured bank or from Fannie or Freddie. Uh -huh. And they're gonna require an appraisal as a part of that, that process. And so being an appraiser, you understand kind of the things they look for or um, you, know, you as the owner might have different opinions on kind of things that you can drop to the bottom line. If you might save on expenses or if you could bump rents a certain way, but uh, the appraiser usually has to go off of market information, market comps, so they might have different expense comps than you say, but you kind of have to understand that going in if you're going to get an appraisal and trying to work with them on that to get a value that'll help you out. Right, right. Um, and so are you still doing appraisals today? No, no, no. Swi switched over to uh, capital brokerage. So much happier for it. It's a lot faster paced. It's a lot more exciting and you know, I'm having a blast doing it. Cool. Can you tell people what exactly that is that, that don't understand? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, basically, we represent uh, exclusively the, the buyer, the developer, or the investor, whoever has a deal that needs capital on some level. And we take that out to the market, being the capital markets. And um, we could be securing on their behalf a bank loan, a bridge loan, um, mezzanine debt, preferred equity, or joint venture equity, just kind of any part of the capital stack, depending on, on the deal and the assignment. And uh, we work in really any property type. We haven't gotten into data centers yet because those are really big, really institutional. But usually working with developers in the caught $2 million project cost to maybe 50 or $100 million project cost, you know, entrepreneurs who can kind of bootstrap it in the beginning. And then after a handful of deals, they'll probably get, you know, some more balance sheet or some more financials behind them to to kind of go forward so a lot of creativity comes into play oh you. yeah i mean i mean sometimes we 
you know, there's there's a bunch of different names for what we do. We're sometimes called like debt monkeys. Sometimes we're <laughs> called like marriage counselors for real estate developers. Yeah. Because sometimes it's it's or or just pure marketers. Because sometimes a developer is so in love with their deal or kind of kind of too close, and they miss the message that they need to convey to a capital source. So a lot of times when we get the information, it's really putting it in a simpler or different kind of format, one that capital sources understand, or maybe just keying in on the metrics that they're looking for. You know, uh, when we're talking about any kind of loan, usually banks want to understand what their exit is. How do I get paid off? If you come into the deal and say, you know, I don't know what the exit is, like, you know, we're not going to have a sale. I don't think I want to refi. The lender's looking at you like, well, what are you going to do? Because my loan has a term to it, and we need to pay this off in X years, you know, whether at three, five, or seven, or ten. Mm-hmm. So, kind of explain the business plan. And sometimes, you know, just sitting down with the developer or the buyer and kind of asking those questions helps them solidify in their mind what they're trying to do. So then we can actually come up with a business plan and present it clearly and coherently to to the bank or to the capital source. Gotcha. It's pretty cool because it, it sounds like almost everything that you're doing is um, benefited from going through the Masters of Real Estate program at A&M, whereas where I'm at, I don't use a whole bunch of it, um, but I, I hope to do that in the future. Would you say that's accurate? You're lo- using almost everything you were taught through that I, program? I'd say on the, on the very kind of base level, absolutely. I mean, the math courses with Dr. Jackson we went to. Uh, went through, you know, just learning cap rates, income, looking at kind of income and expenses to get to the bottom line NOI. Uh, definitely. I also enjoyed really, uh, I'm trying to remember if it was Dr. Peterson's or Dr. Haney's class, but I remember we actually had to call brokers for opinions on mm-hmm. things, whether it was leasing rates or values for land. And real estate, as you know, is a super social business. I think the sooner you can get to, I guess, the comfort level with calling people, or understanding you need to create kind of a social network in real estate, mm-hmm. the better off you're going to be. And so those classes had a little bit of it, but definitely in the appraisal world, when I had to start calling on apartments for rental comps and brokers for values, you know, the, I was I was a little nervous doing it at the beginning. You know, we worked on a script, and then at, eventually you just kind of figure out, oh, it's not that big a deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the beginning, you're definitely nervous. So kind of getting in those reps of just calling or kind of fishing for information sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely helps. So, um, you know, going through that master's program, um, what was the and what is your career goal? I mean, I mean, I have a few career goals in that you know, I want to continue to do this capital brokerage. Uh, eventually, it might transition to where I'm doing a little bit of capital brokerage, a little bit more investing after I you know save some of my fees. Because um, the great thing is that, oh, sorry. The great, the great thing is that you get to meet a lot of developers and a lot of people, and after you kind of build up those relationships and you see them through their transactions, you know, okay, these guys can execute, these guys are a little squirrely, uh, I like this business plan, I've seen them execute it 10 or 15 times now, so eventually I want to start putting some of my brokerage fees and savings into my clients' deals because I've got that level of trust, I know what their business plan is. Uh, on on the the side to the side, I kind of want to write movie scripts for fun. Me and my brother like writing, so that's, that's cool. That's something we've been doing a little bit of. That's all, that's right up my alley. So, oh, really? I, star for for the movie. Right? <laughs> Are you an actor? I yeah, I am an actor, struggling actor, of course. Um, but yeah, like I've I, I mean, this is totally off the real estate topic. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I love uh, writing, and um, I have recently uh, started writing. 
a movie script as well. Because it's like, man, I really envy Ben Affleck uh, and Matt Damon for Good Will Hunting's my favorite oh, movie of all time. And the fact that they wrote that because they were struggling actors and then mm-hmm. they wanted to you know, break into the industry. It's just like... They, they paved their own path, really. It's funny. Recently, for Christmas, I, I bought myself three gifts, and it was scripts. Like, I just went off to, I think it was scriptcity.com or something. Uh-huh. And you can actually print out the script, because reading a script versus watching it is completely different. But oh, yeah. Goodwill Hunting was one of those three. Oh, nice. And, uh, All right. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I definitely love that movie, too. That's awesome. That's really cool. But, yeah, the whole, I mean, I, the whole investing thing is, like, that's what's going to set us up so that we can have the leisure to write as many scripts as we want to and not have to worry about um, financing, really. Oh, yeah. I mean, if it's, it's crazy that you see some people who are at the point of like, I'll, I'll call up, I'll cold call some people and say, hey, do you have any projects right now, anything you're looking at? Uh-huh. And they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm at the point where I really don't need financing. I do everything all cash. And, you know, I've maybe met two or three of those guys. It's yeah. pretty rare, but... To be in that position where you're so flush with cash that, you know, buying an apartment for a four or five or six cap, yeah. you know, is good for you, man, I'd love to be in that position. Right, yeah. That's awesome. Here's the question. Um, would you ever really want to be in that position? Because I, you know, think about, I'm all about trying to buy and own and, you know, grow. And to me, it's like, what's the point of using all your cash mm-hmm. when you can go leverage that, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, would you ever do that or... I, I, I can see definitely situations which I would, but it would be risky business plans. Or maybe if you're kind of what we call pioneering, like a lot of times there's two kind of cases where you're pioneering. One, you're in a very rural area, maybe on the edge of town where a bank says, you know, I don't see it. You know, and so you have to have the vision as the developer. Or if you're going into maybe a dilapidated area where you, you see the revitalization or maybe you have a, a tenant in tow. And, and the bank doesn't know about that and, or it's something maybe you don't want to share because you don't want other people to realize the opportunity that's in this particular area or market. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've definitely seen it where developers or clients of ours have gone in, purchased something all cash, gotten a signed LOI or signed lease with a tenant, and then they go to the bank and say, hey, I have this equity already in it and now I have this tenant secured. Loan me the funds to, to redevelop the building. And, and usually because of the commitment the bank sees from you already having cash in. And also their downside is, is now considered you know, pretty safe because you already have a tenant who's saying, I'll occupy that, I'll pay rent. And so from there, you can kind of extrapolate a cap rate based on the income stream and then a value. So usually on something like that, you, know, you have to be, again, kind of a pioneer in our, in our field, but um, there's certainly groups that'll do that. And then um, sometimes that's also done just to to kind of get a track record built up when people don't believe in you and banks won't lend you money. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you maybe have to save enough to, to go do it all cash on the first one or two. And then once you've proven yourself up, you know, then lenders are opening their doors. Right. Wow. Great point. So um, this is a question uh, that we like to ask everyone. And, and I consider pretty much anybody that's in the real estate business an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um even if you're working at a company, you're still building your own deal, your own network. Like you said, the networking is a key part. What are some of the biggest challenges that you've run into personally as far as being an entrepreneur? I mean, getting uh, getting people to take meetings with you, uh, uh, really just generating kind of your revenue stream. And so it's really getting that client base. And I think it really is important to go meet people in person. You 
if you're cold calling, I kind of look at the numbers this way. You might make 20 calls. Maybe five people will answer. Maybe two of those five will actually be receptive to what you're saying on some level. That just means they're willing to continue the conversation, not hang up on you. That does not mean that they have a deal ready for you to go take the exclusive on and go take to the market. And so it's having, or I guess, understanding what the odds are and being persistent enough to continue to make those calls, to get those meetings, and also to just last. You know, the, the first two years, three years of brokerage, that's when it's toughest. That's when you, you know, the, after the first year, hopefully you get one client that maybe has a deal or two that'll sustain you through your second year. And then finally by year three, hopefully you have maybe two or three clients that are doing multiple deals that will build, you know, on, on that. Um, also understanding that in brokerage, you know, I guess at my company, I started out as an analyst and we weren't on a draw yet. You know, we had a base salary plus bonus, depending on, you know, how much you really contributed to a deal. But once you get into brokerage, you know, typically you're on a draw and it's not much. And so really understanding that you can't, you know, can't live the millionaire looking lifestyle. And so you have to kind of suck it up for a couple of years. But um, ultimately, I've seen that the the freedom you have is second to none. And that's that's kind of what I prefer. You know, I'd rather make maybe, you know, two, three, four hundred thousand and then have as much freedom as I want. You know, maybe half the day, each day of the week I can go, you know, kick it with my friends, go right, go golf and mm-hmm half of those things might actually still be networking with people who are in the industry. Mm-hmm. So you right. get freedom and flexibility you really don't get in any other, in any other kind of careers. Yeah, man, I 100% agree with you there. And, you know, like you said, the network, like, you know, networking or playing golf is can be considered work. Mm-hmm. And it's just a different type. It's just a different type of work, right? It's fun, like, because I'm big on taking people out to lunch or coffee. And really, I'm just kind of hanging out. But it's building that network, which is so important. Mm-hmm. And and something else, I guess that I, when I look at the more successful people in my company, and their clients, their clients come off more like friends. Like we might have a meeting at like four o'clock on a Friday, and that's really code for we're gonna meet and talk about this deal for like thirty minutes, and then we're gonna open up the wine bottle. Mm-hmm. But then we're just <laughs> yeah. gonna, but really they're they're just chit chatting and talking and. I, it was kind of surprising, but I realized the good clients and, and, the, and the successful brokers really just have started doing deals with people who ended up being their friends. Yeah. And like, like we were talking about earlier, just the persistence to, to find those people who happen to be your friends. Sure. You know, It's kind of like that old saying, um, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, are these clients your friends first or do, or do they become your friends because you know, they're your clients? Um, which is, it's interesting, but, um, I think that like when I think about sales or growing business or anything like that, um, I think about, I relate it to the relationships I already have in my life mm-hmm. and how, um, since we have a property management company, all of my friends and family, like they're going to use us for property management because they know me and they love me. Mm-hmm. And so if I can have that same relationship with, you know, new people, bingo, like that's, that's it. It's a, it's a shoe in as far as growing your business. I it's hope, relationship is first. Because I hope my clients love me. <laughs> uh, but, but I mean, to that point, my, my first real clients this year, it's a couple of twin sisters out of Fort Worth and, and their, their development partner, Todd Davenport. And they, uh, you know, as, as I've gotten to know them, I mean, I actually went skiing with Todd. We went back when I was up in Denver. Yeah. He and I ended up going out to Vail the same weekend and catching up and skiing for an afternoon. That's cool. Um, and then the two sisters, you know, I've gotten to, to have drinks with them and just see them at their office, just kind of hanging out and working. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where actually 
friends at this point, I'd say. Right. You know, we have that kind of comfort level. And I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll text me at five in the morning with an email related to a deal, but they know I'm up at that time because we, we're kind of not in each other's lives, but we know each other's schedules now. Right. Like we're, we're getting closer and closer. That's awesome. That is really cool. I love right. that. Um, so moving all around, you went to Colorado and now back in Dallas, you think you're going to stay there? Is that your career plan? Like stay in Dallas, but you're doing deals all over the country on the debt raise. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at a deal in Kansas right now. Uh, also looking at a deal out in Leadville, Colorado. So I mean, smaller town about hour and 45 minutes away. Uh, and also trying to work some deals down here in Texas. Uh, the plan really for me is cause I'm, I'm currently single. I'll put it out there, ladies. I'm single, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, because I am a little bit younger in the company and single, you know, I have the flexibility to travel and I enjoy traveling. So, uh, you know, this week I, I drove down to Austin from Dallas earlier in the week. I was in San Antonio for some meetings and also visiting some, some potential clients slash friends. Um, the, the business plan for me is to travel as much as possible. You know, we saw each other at Vegas ICSC that last October I was out at the West coast ICSC. I'm going to go back there again because I'm, I'm again trying to help grow kind of the Colorado presence and office as well. So, you know, long-term home base is in Texas, Mm -hmm. all over Texas. But, um, also with that, I'm going to be trying to grow deals outside the state. Awesome. Very cool. Yeah, man, that's exciting. It's going to be cool to see kind of where the career path leads. Mm. Um, well, uh, thank you so much for, for being on the podcast. We really uh, appreciate you. Um, for the listeners, uh, if they want to find out more about you, how can they do that? Oh, yeah, so my name is Duke Dennis. That is D-U-K-E-D-E-N-N-I-S. Uh, my, my cell phone, it's the best way to reach me, is oh, 979 979- Seven 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 ninety nine ten, and please also go to our website www.metcapital.com. That is M-E-T-C-A-P-I-T-A-L.com. Cool, awesome. awesome. Thanks yep. for coming, man. Hope you uh, enjoy the rest of your trip here in Austin, dude. I appreciate you guys. Of course. I'll see you guys later.